0: All right, everybody, is this on? (laughs) So, we're back for another episode of Hallway Chat. It is July 7th, but we'll probably publish this tomorrow, is my guess. And uh, I'm Bijan. I'm Nabil. And I'm laughing because our (laughs) last pod was also called We're Back, and it was 11 months ago. As I'm looking at the SoundCloud page, I I wonder if we should call this We're Back... (laughs) You know, twenty twenty edition just annually,
1: just one, yeah. once a year. This is a, I promise you, we'll, for, we will not do a year in review. Nobody wants
0: that. <laughs> Nobody wants it. I, I do have a question. I, my first topic is actually like startup life, VC life, state of the state in twenty twenty. Like, you know, what, what's what's the startup world in like in twenty twenty from your take? And you know, happy to share my thoughts. But but before we get to like a substantial topic like that, I'm curious. Why do you think it took us eleven months between episodes? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was going to ask, I have a related question, which you could think about for a second, which is yeah. what made you reach out to me last week and be like, yeah. hey, dude, let's do a hallway chat. I'm, I'm curious what the trigger was.
0: I could tell you. I I was sure. bored of the, my podcast and I thought maybe others are too, and they needed some other little addition.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think that's fair. I was very happy that you said so just because I think what we haven't done very well is actually talk in hallways. You know, we don't, we don't really have hallways right now. And so even if nobody's listening to this, the happiness of just chatting with you about stuff is a good thing. Why have we not done it in the last 11 months? I think it's hard to find time. I think honestly, it's hard to find a rhythm.
0: We weren't that hardcore about it where it's like every Tuesday at no, no, two no, no, o'clock no, no. We're, we're laying it no, no, no. down. out. Yeah. So I think because we never had that commitment to a weekly or, or monthly thing, it was just easy to kick the can.
1: Yeah. It's easy to kick the can. Maybe a life lesson generally, <laughs> if you don't make a firm <laughs> commitment to something. It's pretty easy for it to move down the priority stack, even if yeah. even if it's something you value.
0: Yeah. All right. Look, we got a lot to talk about. I've got five okay. things in my notes. And
1: we don't talk about Postmates first. I'm really No, But it you know, is on my notes. I love it. it is on my notes. Yeah. I I, I love it, but I spent all yeah. yesterday talking about Postmates.
0: So I know. We to have talk. to talk about it today, <laughs> but I will save it for the end. So the VC world in 2020. We started before we hit the rec- you know recording button, just kind of just like we would if we were in the office, like kind of state of the world from a VC perspective. And I threw out the question, like, "Hey, are VC's going to invest more or less or the same as last year, ish?" And you threw out this number. That, you know, wasn't what I was thinking. So why don't I ask I you? I think your on, first on, on premise
1: was like, oh, is VC going to be down like half for this year or something like right, that? Right, right. And I said, it's going to think it's going to be up by 25%.
0: Right. So keep going.
1: Well, the, but, well look, the, the pattern I think I've seen emerge is the first month was everybody panic. First month right. of COVID, we can't see founders. March. How are we are going to invest without seeing founders? Slowed down like crazy. I, it just feels like a different world now. I, I, I feel like enough time, and maybe this is a reflection generally of like the psychology of non-VCs and entrepreneurs as well, just like what we we're all going through. At some point, some dam broke and people were like, look, I'm not going to lose nine months, a year, a year and a half, not doing any business. So I'm just going to write a check. And what's interesting is that if you haven't met with the founder, and you suddenly resigned yourself to the idea that you don't need to dig in super super deep in order to write the big Series A check, uh, you can write a lot more of them. <laughs> like and so what, what I what I what I've seen happen unfortunately a lot more those, in
0: in quantity or or uh, quantity uh, you know I saying, think like- the
1: bar goes down. There's lots of th- you know lots of VCs have. Lots of ways to talk themselves out of doing a deal. Like, right. like the, one of the reasons I, I like that we don't do deal memos, uh, really, really long deal memos, is because I feel like really, really long deal memos from VCs are basically ways to talk yourself out of a the deal. They're like they're a bunch of ways, or they're, or they're about, sales documents. They're sales documents for internal pocket politics, or they're right. conversations about the ways it could go wrong instead of ways it could go right. And right. and if you can't like spend you know, three dinners with the founder and really get to know everything, then I think you look at other signals. I think honestly, what I see happening is uh, more of a bifurcation. The deals that get hot now, you might've gotten three term sheets six months ago. The deal that gets hot now seems like it gets, we had this happen last week. It's like seven term sheets in two days because you know that you can't meet with the founder, but you do know that XYZ tier one VC just put a term sheet down yesterday. And so what are you gonna do? You just throw down a term sheet. I, I don't know that this is positive, by the right. way. I'm not saying right. this in a good way. I, it's I, the social FOMO of feeling like you lost yeah, out You you that.
0: haven't laid down a, you haven't, you haven't graded this, the VC score, but you're saying, hey, because of all of that, it should yeah. be more capital being deployed.
1: Yeah. Whether it's a good or bad thing
0: is a second order uh, question.
1: Right, I think, I think more money goes out. I think the rounds get a little bit larger. I think the hottest deals are hotter you know, pile in FOMO, all in even more than before, because you can't set up these structures that are like, well, we don't, we haven't, I didn't meet the founder a week ago. We haven't gone through a process. I haven't gone on a walk with them. I haven't gone to dinner with the, the whole group. I haven't really, like, if you can't do any of that, and they're about to get a term sheet from benchmark in an hour, you just, right. Flush a uh, term sheet out the door. Ninety minutes <laughs> after that, you know, rinse and repeat next week on whatever the hot thing is for the next week. So, I think for the, I'll say this pejoratively, for the ambulance <laughs> chaser VCs, I think it's it's I think it's incredibly hot market.
0: Yeah, I I I don't know. Clearly, Am I being really checks, cynical. I'm no, 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 no. I don't, no, 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 I don't, I don't think you're being cynical at all. We're seeing behavior. I mean, it's not like you're you're making shit up. I mean, it's we're seeing a lot of behavior out there. And you're right. The first month, call it March, I think. I think people went inward, not partially out of fear, but partially attending to the portfolio. Like, what's this company? Like, what's the situation on the ground? You know, that's. Then, uh, thank
1: you for bringing that up. That 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 was that was exact, I mean, I've never, I I have never had it feel more like being in a startup. Yeah, it felt like being in a startup. It was the constant every few hours, some new CEO, some new crisis, trying to figure out something. Some executive just left, customer just left. How are yeah. we going to make it through COVID? Like it, it was right. that was you're right. That was like a month yeah. of term sheets are getting PM phone calls. Term sheet, yeah. definitely that happened. Like it was a that was an insane time.
0: Yeah, right. I mean, it feels like a hundred years ago, but March was March, and then I feel like I don't know which came first, if Seeds got busy or. Growth deals started happening and that kind of like relieved something where gave people permission to start putting term sheets out and capital to work.
1: Do you think the fact that the stock market bounced back so quickly helped to thaw things out?
0: I think I think seed and series A is decoupled, but I think the growth investing business definitely either consciously or unconsciously had some influence by the stock market feeling like it wasn't. I mean, when the stock market went to nineteen thousand from twenty-nine thousand there was a fear it was going to go to 11,000, you know, like, right. So the fact that it's came back to whatever it is nowadays, 25, 26, like it's a, it's a, you know, I I feel like it's a banana town valuation for the market, but (laughs) putting that aside, I think that gives some people some confidence. And I think the other part that many people were saying in the private space, you know, these good companies were good for a reason. There's a lot of challenging economic conditions, but I I kind of think of it as it's kind of what segment is your customer base in that decides whether you're going to have a harder time or not. Like clearly there's some companies that are doing well in this environment and there's other companies doing, you know, having a harder time if you're in, let's say travel or something. And I think, I think that is, is why you can't paint the whole market with a broad brush in the startup world, but Having said that, I don't know if that means the markets the, the sorry capital deployed this year is twenty-five percent over next year. I, 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 in a way I hope it is because I think then it'll show that innovation and creativity is getting recognized regardless of macro. But right. but in a world where you can't spend time with the founder, and, I, I I guess and, I thought and the, and the I, capital goes up. I don't know like what right. that combination yields.
1: Right. A lot more randomness. The positive is You know, money getting put to work should be in founder's hands, like let them go build. That's the good thing. The negative is I'm worried that we, in the absence of signals, like uh, a relationship with the founder, a relationship closely with the product, like really going deep, in absence of that, what are the signals we have left? And I'm worried the signals we have left are not not our favorite signals. They are things like Mm -hmm. social signaling and heat and and stuff like that, that, that frankly, I don't particularly care about anyway right, uh, right is it does that influence the advice you give to a founder at seed or series a raising right now have you been telling folks not to raise and wait or are you no, like go go no. go
0: i'm taking you know we're all taking a conservative view on runway and forecast so from that standpoint sure but I, I, I'm not suggesting there's a feeding frenzy and you go get your piece. That's, I'm not, I don't, because I'm not sure I, I really have. I I'm have, pretty close I, to I that. I don't know if I've, I don't know if I've agreed yet with you <laughs> that, that the market is that frothy. I mean, cause 2019 was pretty frothy. So to imagine that more capital is going to be deployed this year is, I don't know. I think
1: frothy is overstatement for, I think for the handful of companies that for whatever reason are hot we just have people coming in that are like raising, they're not our kinds of deals, but like we have companies going out and saying like, I wanna raise in two weeks. I, I worry that it's speeding investors are like, I don't care, check. Meaning founder like founders aren't doing the corollary, which is like, hey, I'm gonna be with this VC for the next two to 12 years of my life. I'm not sure that's really settled in yet, but I should really be careful.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's a great point. I I do. I really do. And you know, I, I, I don't wanna sound like self serving that, you know, telling entrepreneurs how to do this, but like I I do think that in a world where both sides are rushing, yeah, it's gonna be very interesting. But you, yeah, mean, you I mean you don't we, we, totally we, agree with me though. We we <laughs> had well, I don't know. I don't know. I agree with you on on the dynamic we're seeing today. I think the thing yeah. I'm I, I hadn't really considered is that is more capital gonna be deployed this year by that kind of number. I would have said less, but right. you bring up a good point. We'll find out. What I will say, though, that is like something we talked about when we first went to shutdown mode was, you know, we just raised our new funds in January and it was kind of like, hey, do we save dry powder so that when the world comes back to life, we'll have all this dry powder? And we quickly came to the decision like, hey, no, great ideas are happening. You know, we got to you know keep investing through this crisis. But, but that was a question we were asking ourselves. Yeah. You know, yeah. Anything else you want to point out for for the state of of venture capital in twenty twenty? I mean, I I I think the good news is like whether the market's up by a lot or a little or whatever, like companies are getting financed. Like it's not the kind of thing where you know good ideas aren't being funded right now. That's not happening.
1: That's right. I mean, only thing I'll add from a personal standpoint is I don't like it. Like I just don't. I don't like this job no, nobody likes it this
0: pandemic I don't. <laughs> <laughs> it's fair. I, nobody is fair yeah
1: yeah i mean it, it it's uh it's not my favorite thing to show <laughs> <laughs> i mean look we're look we're in a very privileged situation i don't i don't want to you know come off there are a lot of people in a lot more uncomfortable situation than sure, we're in sure, sure. But yeah, just no, in terms of that, day-to-day like i i i don't really like first dates anyway so the first meetings with founders being on zoom is just fine it's fine it's actually not that big a deal and and for the founders that i've known for a long time that we work with i found actually that communicating over phone and zoom is fine the problem is that and this is the problem not for vc but for just i think for all of us in life the the like the magic is when you when you form a new interesting relationship when you meet that person and there's like that chemical connection, like, oh, this founder is amazing. And like, yeah. and then you take the next step and you get to know them better and you meet the rest of their team and you start to get into flow with them as you talk about product and the company. And, it, and that's the part that feels like near impossible to do is like really st- forming new strong bonds. And so for somebody yeah. who really values that, like it, it's unfortunate. It's like, I, I don't, yeah. it's not great.
0: Well, yeah. you know, I, I often think about companies that were not remote and then they, they've been hiring through this, you know, during this time. And so you have people join the company, when the company has been operating for years in a, a not a remote way, you know, what pick your company, Twitter, whatever. And then yeah. now everybody's home. So you have a dynamic where you have, you know, people that were hired pre and post COVID, right. And so it's just a different kind of connections and relationships. I mean, there's a lot of people celebrating that the future of work is going to be remote. And I could see why that's appealing. But on a personal level, like, I, I am with you. I, I don't love this at all. It's, it's not even necessarily harder to do the work. It's just, it's less enjoyable.
1: Yep. I was talking to a founder yesterday who was remarking that they, they were all, you know, together. The team itself, which is about, you know, 20 people, it's an early stage startup, had been working together for a while. He's like, oh, remote work. It's been great, you know, right. and, and like, right. we all actually work better. It's been, you know, more productivity, less commuting. Yes, 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 yes. And then I asked if they'd hired that much in the meantime in the last three months. And you should have seen his face. Like he just got this kind of drop and kind of reflective. And he was like, Oh, and he's like, you know, the truth is we've hired, you know, one senior engineer during this time period and she's integrated quite well, but we've hired three junior people that were fresh out of school. And what I found in the past with engineers is, know they have a lot of raw talent but they haven't really figured out how to communicate and work as as a team because college doesn't really teach you how to work well as a team and so Mm. normally in an office environment this is where you forge and figure out how to work as a team and he's like we already have laid off two of the three people interesting like we like because like the thing that's happened in remote work is like getting them actually integrated as a junior employee to figure out how to do teamwork well is just really really hard and, yeah. and I think that's probably writ large. You know, I, I worry about new grads trying to integrate and like earn the mm-hmm. trust of the team and figure right. out how to get, how to get good at something. Yeah. Right. Um, that'll be the hurdle for a remote work period. But, but we got no choice right. but to try and figure it out.
0: Right. Huh. Interesting. Okay. So we're talking about work from home. So I had a couple of questions for you because I, and I know some of this, but because <laughs> A, we've talked about it, and B, we, you know, we talked Regularly, but like, what's your work from home schedule right now? Like, what, what is it the work part of work from home? Like, like are you, you mean like, how do you, I structure my day? Yeah. And are you on Zoom all day, every day?
1: I try and alternate Zoom phone call, Zoom phone call. That's been an alteration that I yeah. really love. I can't always pull it off, but yeah, I, I try and start the day.
0: And how long Here's is it the rhythm I found?
1: That? It's about a month. I tried for a little while opening up with quiet time where I write or put together a to-do list and really have thinking time in the morning. Yeah. That doesn't work at all because I just don't. Like my brain hasn't gotten going yet. I'm staring at a wall. I'm like, I just, I don't know. I'm on Twitter. Like it just, that was terrible. I need a conversation or a meeting first thing in the morning to get, to get things going. Then I sit down, try and set aside an hour or two of a block of nothing where I can write, think, research, non inbound stuff, because I think in this job, it's so easy to just answer emails and take inbound all day long. So I'm trying to take a two hour block at least every single day. Then it is a zoom call, zoom call, zoom call up until whenever it's done. Mm -hmm. And then the only other thing I try and do is Wednesdays. uh, I try and make only that's my outbound day, not my inbound day. It's not about an active deal. It -hmm. is only like I want to talk to a cool product person on an interesting thing that I've been thinking about for a while, or an academic on a book I just read that I want, that I'm trying to think about yeah. long term, like something that's longer term. I think that's the basic structure. There's obviously variations. I'm not in, you know, we're a little bit like doctors on call, like, you know, <laughs> some, some founder calls up and they got a thing and you, you know, run at it or whatever. But, but, but generally that's it. How about for you?
0: Yeah, I have been, I, I about two weeks ago, I hit a wall. I mean, I really hit a wall hard. And I think I just, found myself, yeah. I was using Calendly, you know, that uh, service and my days got out of control. I was on Zoom all day, every day. And I just felt like by the end of it, I just felt like a noodle. I just, I couldn't get my active. So I've been, I've been blocking out times. And so every day I've got three hours blocked out. It's not the same three hours every day because that's not happening. And, and for the last two weeks, I've been, I've been doing it and there've been a few occasions where I've broken that system for, because people need to do it, you know, chat or whatever, yeah. but I've, I found that and not having zoom be the default. Like I'm actually now mm-hmm. phone calls the default and, mm-hmm. and so I can take it outside while the weather's been nice and all that. Like I, it's clear that I, I miss humans, but it's, I feel at least placebo or otherwise the last two weeks has, it feels like more tenable. It definitely feels yeah. more tenable. said that I bought I mean, a bunch of gear. to be ready for
1: zoom to do the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We should come to gear in just a second. I I will say across all the companies and we should be aware of it for us as well. Like across most of the companies I work with, they've all hit a wall in the last two weeks, Mm -hmm. probably some of them more aware than others Mm -hmm. of what's happening. And, you know, I, I have folks have taken different reads, but I have a bunch of folks that have done required, you know, no internet vacation for the, for the team, like just, just yeah. take Thursday, Friday off. Don't, we, we need a break no matter what's yeah. going on. Because yeah. people, yeah. because it's, if we had a, a work 24 hour, I can slack you any time schedule before, this is 10 times worse. Like it's just right. all the time. Right. And I, I think it's also something a little bit more subtle, which is that work is not just draining. Generally, work is also filling. Like when you get into a flow with somebody and you're really right. going, yeah. that's, right. that's filling. And so that can happen in the middle of the day. And then your day yeah. is energizing. You feel it is so much harder to get into flow over Zoom and phone with another human that I yeah. think it's just happening less. And so I think the same number of hours put in straight over Zoom is way more way more draining, not just because of all the things people are saying online about, oh, you're watching your own face, you're thinking about your position. It's like more distracting. Yeah. But I think the thing on top of it is that you're not getting as much positive, you're not getting as much flow with that person you're working with or in a group discussion or, you know, in a partner meeting or an exec stand-up meeting or whatever. And so it's just, it's just more draining. And so I think you have to respect that and try to find other ways to get more positive. But how much of that do
0: you think is that because we, we didn't operate in a remote way throughout our career? Like, you know, there's companies like WordPress and they've been, this, this is, this is, this is their deal this is how I'm gonna they operate. come off
1: like an old curmudgeonly person here. <laughs> this is just one of those things. Like, I think that, like, look, the, the goal of a startup, I, I don't believe any of that crap. What crap? <laughs> it's really, I look, I think, I think the goal of a startup is not how many, is not how many, you know, lines of code you ship or, you know, how many PowerPoint presentations you make. It's those magic moments where you're in flow with a handful of other humans, it's usually a handful, it's never 20. It's like you're in a room, there's six or seven people, there's two or three people. And it's a creative process. And you know it when you see it. It's like a jazz band. Like you just No,
0: no, I'm I'm, I'm down with that. But are you saying that doesn't happen in a remote situation? I'm saying there's nobody
1: I've spoken to who works remotely who says it happens as much as it happens when you're in person with people. And if the, if, the, if the absolute goal, if the best moments come out of those sessions, then shouldn't we be doing everything possible to maximize the number of those sessions that we
0: have? Dude, I'm totally and so, with you, I mean- yeah.
1: And so working remote, hey, look, we're doing it. I, I, I don't think it's not bad. I love minimizing the time we're on the road, yeah. sitting in traffic. There are definite benefits to all of this. I don't wanna overstate it, but I don't think we should lose sight of what the goal is. And the goal isn't, hey, I'm ticking off my to-do list just as fast, if not faster than I was two weeks ago. That's the machine part of a startup. That's the part that is mechanized that sometime, at some point an AI will just do or whatever. Like the magic part that you're trying to maximize as leader is The like, you know what? The thing is, I'm
0: in violent agreement with you, but I feel compelled that we should have. We got it now. I'm, I'm, I'm so energized to get like Matt Mullenweg or somebody who's been running their business remote because I completely agree with you. Of course, I agree with you. A, A, we are in business together, and we have this attitude. But we, we come out of the same, you know, whatever legacy of that level of work. But I'd love to hear the other side of it because I'm sure Matt would tell you about all sorts of ways that they get into this those magical moments. Right, but here's my us. here's my thesis yeah. about
1: about the history of remote work companies. Yes. It's going to be controversial. But whatever. The history of the remote work companies is that think about it, when do you need to have those those in those in person or those really beautiful strategic moments? You right. usually have to do that at points of turmoil. And so think about the peacetime CEO and the wartime CEO. I think if you're a peacetime CEO, if you're company kind though, of right
0: there's no peace time
1: there is there no no there are situations where you can predict what needs to get shipped over the next quarter
0: okay fair fair and
1: fair. you know what's happening and like go execute like it's right. it's not a creative process it's an execution and manufacturing process let's get the code out let's get the bugs fixed like sure. ship sure. the next version we know what our customers need let's go 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 and then, if you hit wartime, I think that's when you're in trouble. When you need everybody in a, in, in a war room, not to overuse a war analogy, because yeah. you're constantly repivoting yeah. Yeah. and you're trying to make sure that that fringe person on the team is still on board with your new direction that you just pivoted for the third time in the last four yeah. weeks, and like all like that's when I think remote work just oh, becomes
0: a, a real pain, in impossible. The neck. But that's I I'm saying I think I'm saying something a little different, which is I agree with all of that, but clearly the folks that are running businesses that have always been remote feel like they, they're not in peacetime mode all the time. They're, they're, I mean, like we're not investors in GitHub, but clearly like, I know enough to know there was co-founder issues, lots of thrashing, you know,
1: so I'll, I, I'll word it a little differently because of okay. course it's never be, you are at a distinct disadvantage.
0: That's the, that's time. the line that I want, when, I want Matt to respond to. When remote
1: and, yeah. and if, if every company goes through a major crisis, yeah. then again, it's like, what are you optimizing for? right? Yeah. Most companies die during those major crises. Your ability to thread the needle and survive a major crisis is whether you're going to build a long-term business or not. Not whether on Tuesday, somebody shipped enough bug fixes. And yeah. so I would just never you. do anything to risk that Ability to make it through a crisis moment and ability to find the happiest moments in my startup life, which are always about a handful of people in a room, never yeah, about yeah. me alone, you know, again, like checking off the boxes of my to-do list. So for me, I find
0: myself, you know, but, we'll try to and get on it, but the, the problem is I agree with it, but I know that we are inflaming you know another, a big chunk of that world. I mean, I, I can just <laughs> think of like a bunch of CEOs in our portfolio, Never mind, Matt. I mean, that just feel like they're, they feel so... I don't want to call it a religion. That's belittling their view. It's it's more that like they they really feel like that's the optimal system. I think given that there's so much energy around it right now, I feel like there must be something to it that's worth examining. Because I'm with you. Do you think the folks that are running remote only companies pre-COVID would agree to your you, in the conversations I've
1: had in the conversations I've had with remote focused founders? Yeah. What I found if I is is when I talk about like what do you love about remote? Why does right. it matter? Right.
0: It gets they don't
1: talk about the two things I just talked about. They don't say, oh, I love it because it's an amazing way to work through a crisis and I get an amazing, wonderful flow with my co-founders all on a more regular basis. Yeah. What they talk about is commute, quality of life, Practical. Um, our ability to not be distracted, heads down work. Right. They, so what, that's what I mean by they're prioritizing different things, right? They're saying yeah. that, yeah. hey, most weeks, we don't have a major crisis. And so we're making so much more progress and everybody's so happy and we can hire them. And they also talk a lot about hiring and retention. Like, so it's just about where you're prioritizing your startup It's also compromising the other way. It's saying I, I, I'm, I'm deprioritizing being able to hire that person who wants to live in Northern Ohio and quality of life and like all the the interruption, like it's all a compromise. Right. Yeah.
0: Cool. Good, good deal, man. That that's, I'm glad we talked about it. I really am because it's an excuse to do the next, next pod. So that's great. Hey, let's yeah. talk about gear. So what what new gear, if any, have you picked up since we've been in, in uh, shelter-in-place mode? Well, you,
1: you know I went the full, because you have to see me every week. I apologize <laughs> about that. You know that I went the full DSLR, hooked up to a cam link, hooked up to my laptop to try and make video as beautiful as possible. Not because I think anybody wants to look at me, but because, uh, again, I'm trying, like... This job is about a relationship with another human. And so anything I can do to help us like, connect feels like it's worth the investment, given that's what I do all day. I don't sling code yeah. code or, or, or draw boxes. How yeah.
0: about you? <laughs> well, I picked up a new Logitech camera because I was using my... I usually use just an iPad and the iPad camera location's in the wrong spot. So I went back to a Mac and that camera on a Mac is just awful. So I, I picked up a overpriced... Logitech, like the best one they've got on eBay right. for some ridiculous price gouger, and then I went to the office and I grabbed my my blue Yeti mic from when we used to have a podcast, and <laughs> uh, and I have a couple lights that are because of photography stuff, and and that's that's what I got, and you know, and you're done. my kid makes fun of me because he thinks I'm like a Twitch wannabe, you know, I said <laughs> I'm on a boring Zoom call all day. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's that's my my gear situation, but I I still find the. Have you bought um, anything
1: else non-video conferencing related? Like, have you have you nested at all <laughs> during this during yeah. this period? And home improvement projects or anything yeah, else? you I bought?
0: I did. I bought I bought an acoustic guitar. And there we go. Yes, yeah. I bought an acoustic guitar. I had a I have an acoustic guitar from the literally my college days when I was in a crappy college band, and by March. 30th I'm like oh god I I need something so I I went to go pick it up and I couldn't tune it it wouldn't it couldn't I couldn't tune it so I I, I invested in a new guitar and I tried all bunch of music apps to kind of help me get back on my feet and I didn't really like any of them and so now I just use just a hodgepodge of youtubers and Mm -hmm. a website called ultimate guitar which has like uh, the tablature stuff and that's what I'm doing I started painting. That was my hobby. I picked up during this time. What are you painting? I mean, like, uh, what kind of painting?
1: I'm using, well, I haven't painted since college. I did not pick up oil paints or acrylics. I just don't have the room. The messiness is actually what's kept me from doing it for this long. Mm. But I find that Adobe Fresco is the, which is on on the iPad. And then I use the Apple pen is the first kind of like simulated painting app that Mm. just feels to me the way paint feels. Like the way it really? collects, the way it captures light, the way it, it works is is just the right feeling. Like I don't know, I can't explain it except that it what, feels like the painting name it? to me. Adobe Fresco. Adobe Fresco, uh, wow. And a, you know, they, digital, what they do is they're a
0: digital painter.
1: It's just a hobby. I'm not trying to yeah. do it for anybody. I haven't shared yeah. a single paint. You know, but I do yeah. it every week. It's been really cathartic. Cool. It feels really wonderful to be using my hand again that way. And I don't know if I'll ever go to canvases again. I think this is actually great. And I've really yeah. been enjoying it. And, and, cool. and I've looked at a whole bunch of those apps. There's a really interesting thing that I think is happening, which is happening in music as well. And a bunch of these creative apps where you can use machine learning, where you can press a button and it kind of like converts your photo to look like a painting. Yeah. I spent a lot of March and early April digging into. And there's a really interesting line between Adobe Fresco sits on one end, where that is just painting. It is painting and then they're using a little bit of intelligence to make it feel more real. And then the total opposite end of the spectrum is the like, I press the button and it, it, it makes my photo from yesterday of my kids look like a Van Gogh. But, but that doesn't feel like creativity at all. That's yeah. like all AI, no hand. Yeah. Fresco is on the other end, which is all hand, a little bit of AI. And I've been trying to find apps that are in this navigated middle where AI is making you still feel like the creator, but, you know, is doing the chord progression of your guitar or the hand of the painting or that thing where it still feels like it's you making it, but a beginner could do it.
0: Yeah. yeah. Where you're you're using
1: this assist to get you to the point where the analogy I was using, I was talking to a friend about this the other day. The analogy I was using is like all of the artistic arts are huge amounts of pain up front, like just pain, pain, pain. And then eventually maybe you find flow and it feels beautiful in the end. And that's almost the opposite of the way video games are built. Video games are built, you drop in and it's super easy to To learn and hard to master right so it's the Mm -hmm. opposite you start and like the game is on easy mode and they're like just getting you to learn things it's just Mm joy 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 and then it then you hit a wall and like to get really good at fifa or rocket league like you gotta like train but you remember that joy and so you want to get good and i think we're at a point where we could do the same with creativity if we if we architected it well
0: yeah I mean, I'm kind of tasting a little bit of what you're describing in that I'm pretty much all film photog- in my photography, but there's an app that I've been messing around with called Pixelometer, uh, something like that. Pixelometer, Hard to say now that I'm thinking about it. It's a Photoshop alternative for the iPad. I think it's on the Mac too, but uh, they use machine learning for uh, an AI for a lot of their tools. So like they have a, uh, a retouch tool that is like magical somehow it does so mm. i'm shooting film and it's as old as it gets on how the processing works and i don't do anything like hardcore but if there's something like dust on the negative it just it like i grab my deal. apple pencil <laughs> and i just tap it and boom like the dust is gone and it's like a miracle i mean it's amazing <laughs> how how this works and so it's this combination of like tech and analog and it's pretty cool
1: yeah it's like using that tech as a Force multiplier. It doesn't become the magic wand that feels like right. it takes away agency agency from you, but it's like, right. look, look, I took this photo, and I want to do a little bit of work to it. Help me,
0: right? Right. It's still right, mine. Right. Right. <laughs> Don't take it from me. Yeah, you, you mentioned AirPods, by the way. Like everyone I'm talking to, everyone's an exaggeration, but I feel like Kevin hates his AirPods. Like you're having problems. I'm having problems. Like, is this? I've it's never like a had a more market. frustrating product. It's a mass market product. So, like, why isn't? A, why isn't, are there alternatives? Like B, right. are we having bad luck or is this super widespread? The
1: AirPod Pros, just so we're really clear. They're so amazing. The noise canceling at this size is so good. The kind of hear through feature is like, I've never loved a product that's also frustrated me so badly. I'm sure maybe I just, maybe I have an optimist who, who's forgotten the but other time first that's iPhone. That's actually first not iPhone. true. Actually, let's just be clear. I use so many gadgets that this is probably a very frequent occurrence for me <laughs> emotionally is to love a product, start to use it, and then it's find ways of which it drives me crazy. I, I retract everything I just said. This is the nature of products. but, well, but It's I, really frustrating because you expect from Apple yeah. that it's gonna, like, it should work.
0: And it- There's some nastiness that happens between my AirPods, either pros or otherwise, with macOS. They're just not a happy partnership. All right. Well, if anyone out there has better Bluetooth headphones, I am all ears, as they say. Yeah. Same. Cool. Hey, I think we're coming to the end. So I I need to, uh, I got, uh, I want to talk about Postmates. (laughs) So, I mean, look, we're talking our own shop a little bit. You know, the firm has been investors in Postmates for a long time, thanks to you. Big news yesterday. Like, I, I think we should talk about it a little bit, just a little bit.
1: I, th- you, I, I thank you for having the slightly defensive tone of knowing it makes
0: me feel, uh, a I little know. I can, no, you know what it is? I can see you squirming. Like you just like, <laughs> no, no cut. I think, I think the reason why it's awkward is well, look, I can, be, it's obvious. But the thing is like, I, I like, Hey, it's time to celebrate those, those, that team did it a remarkable thing. And I, I think, you know, maybe just a little bit on like, favorite part about being a Postmates board member. I mean, like what, what uh, was that like? You know, it's one of the most competitive markets on the planet. And I think
1: I was texting with some of the executive team yesterday. And I I, I said what I honestly believe when they go to do their next thing, whenever that is cakewalk, like, yeah. I don't know what it is, <laughs> but it's a cakewalk, you know, like it was that that is the hardest business to run. Mm-hmm. And why do you say that?
0: Unpack that a little bit. I know that people listening to this would appreciate that.
1: Sure. I mean, one, Uber is not a particularly easy business, but it's a two-sided marketplace, right? It's a rider and a driver. Here, it's a three-sided marketplace. You have a rider, a driver, and then and then the vendor, the restaurant, and you're trying to please all of them, which is in and of itself very, very difficult. So it's a three-sided marketplace that is local city by city, each city dynamic is different. Each The earning potential of each driver is different in each city. Then on t- top of that, it's a thin margin business. You're doing all of this where there's no real slack in the system. I'm really proud of the fact that you know on average, an LA driver, where which is Postmates' is large market, they, they all make above minimum wage. That's not yeah. easy. It's not easy yeah. at the same time that you're also trying to keep restaurants in business and you're also trying to make sure that you're going to be profitable. So that's it. On top of that, like we all know that they, they were the most funded competitor in the space for about six months uh, of its life.
0: Right, <laughs> or something, right, like, right.
1: It, like it was a really interesting process to watch because they were the first in the space doing on-demand delivery. Right. But soon afterwards, a year later, you, know, you had DoorDash come in and they got the blue blood money from right. Sequoia. They were the Stanford grads and they were getting a lot of capital. And then you had Uber Eats come in as the kind of like entrenched billions of dollars in the bank trying to catch up with everybody, provider. And then you had the, you know, the old school doing it the wrong way, but still doing it and trying to transfer over in Grubhub. And so you just, ha- it was a crazy competitive right. market still while Postmates was figuring out who it is. Like it's still right. in the midst right. of this. Let's not forget, like it's trying to figure that out a year into the company with 25 people while well, like their identity is still being formed. So it was, it was, yeah, it was crazy hard.
0: I mean, I, I love that. Like, I mean, we're in the David versus Goliath business and, and in a world where of highly financed competitors, big startup, whatever, like they built a beloved brand. It's part of this story. I think of like the startup entrepreneur world where you can go up against big companies and build something really special. You can build something special and not have the most money in your bank.
1: Yeah, I, I think if you were talking about favorite moments for me, most of them are about what they weren't doing as much as what they were doing, to be honest. There's Can you share any of these, that? Well, I'll share one that's kind of public. So, you know, they, There was this period where startups, when they were trying to attack Postmates and DoorDash, were saying, we got to go vertical. And so we're going to the lunch, attack the lunch market. We're going to make all the food and ship it out. And so there right, were these right. sprig and this whole era of, of these highly backed competitors that we're trying to do vertically. And, and so, you know, we did a test with it. So Bastion was like, that. we can do this. Postmates pop. The lunches are going to be in the, in the car. So we're going to get them to you in 15 minutes or less. 10 bucks. You know, you get five meals. It's going to be amazing. U- Uber eats, launched a competitive product. A couple of months later and, and Postmates Pop was amazing. I got an order one time. I think I had the fastest order in Postmates history actually on the books, which was in like 90 seconds. I ordered and like 90 seconds later because a car happened to be like rounding the corner, like mine blunt showed up. It was amazing. But you know, it it felt like a Me Too product and mm. the margins were terrible. Like, mm. it just didn't, it wasn't a good business. And so despite the fact that there was huge competitive pressure to keep up with the Joneses, like I think, I don't know how long Postmates Pop was around, three months? Yeah. Um, but in the midst where it still wasn't sure if that would be really bad for us to kill, Bastion killed it. And, yeah. and there were a bunch of things like that along the way where I felt like the team just, they, they made good choices about when to compete, but they also, like, they never were going to have more money than the other guy. And so you kind of had to know which wars were worth fighting and, yeah. Yeah. and and which ones were actually good for the customer and good for the business and which weren't. So a lot of it was just restraint. And I think that's yeah. super hard to do when you're being throttled back and forth constantly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <sighs> amazing. Absolutely amazing. I'm so happy for the team. It's like, we have a lot to be thankful for. at sparked to be in business with people like this. It's incredible. For sure. Yeah. They're yeah. good people. They're good people. Yeah. And you're, you're, you're stepping off the board.
1: I know. We went on the board for the board vote and everyone was like, you know, approve the merger. Approve the... Like I got teary eyed.
0: Yeah. I mean, like, it's a it... long journey. It makes sense. It'd be what weird it if you, you didn't. Like
1: ju- you... <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. I mean, it's six, seven years. I don't know. It's yeah. been a long time. Uh, yeah. How did it feel? You know, Twitter was probably different because there was the whole IPO process and everything. But h- how did it feel right after Tumblr now reflecting on that?
0: now, Well, hey, it was a long time ago. But, you know, I think maybe I shared a lot in common with, with maybe how you felt. I'm super happy for, for David, of course. And then there was also this worry that this company may not make it. I mean, you know, before the acquisition, like I think it should make it, but I don't know if it's going to make it. I mean, it needs a lot of money. And so there was all that stress. And then the, your, the deal, my understanding of the Uber deal was it moved pretty fast once it happened, like once the go button hit. The, the
1: week, it was nothing, a week and a half. Yeah, yeah.
0: That, in my recollection, that was not how the Tumblr acquisition went down. And so there was a lot of stuff to hammer out. A lot of, there were times where I got a call from different people saying, you know, not sure. <laughs> Yeah, so it was a roller coaster from like, hey, you got an offer, and then you know, you know, all of a sudden there was all this negotiation while we're running out of money. That's why I think feel like Jonathan Turner and I will always have this connection because it's like we're two, two people in a foxhole for a little bit. Yeah. yeah, but as far as the board dynamic, for sure, hundred percent. I still miss being on that board. I still miss getting product updates from David. Like, not not <laughs> you know all that. Like when I see David now, we talk about all sorts of interesting things. But you know, we don't talk about Tumblr anymore. Right. You know. Right. And you know you're gonna see Bastion for the rest of your life, but that's just it's just you had a, a shared thing. you had a shared passion, and, you, and you're you're gonna talk about other stuff.
1: You know, you know my personality, which is that you know I'm both thank, thankful and a little teary-eyed, and then on the flip side, like filled with the kind of anxiety that maybe I'm not doing my job. I gotta go find a new investment now. Like I have one less board. Like <laughs> we well, gotta get to work. <laughs>
0: Yeah. It's some combo of like emo venture capitalist meets, uh, ambition. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I had somebody text me yesterday and was like, why don't you just, do, you know, what are you retiring now? And I'm like, where's the anxiety in that? <laughs> like, no, I love doing what I love doing this thing. So I it's know. just go find new
0: founders. Right. Cool. All right. Let's do this again in 11 months. <laughs> maybe even, No, maybe I'm, even I'm, sooner. I'm going to get, I'm going to get, um, a remote CEO to come on and talk to us about it. Because the thing I found just going back, like you and I have a very similar point of view on that, but I just felt in my bones, like there is a other side of this and I can't wait to hear it. So let's, let's get into it.
1: Very true. Very true. All right. Thanks, sir. Talk to you
0: soon. Thanks everybody.
1: Bye. Bye Bye-bye.